0: Welcome into the starting 11, 99.1, the Sports Animal. Will West, Chris Carroll, top 11 topics in the world of soccer. Every Friday night, you could always catch the podcast 991bsportsanimal.com. And we go from having a special guest last week, Chris, to having maybe an even more special guest this week. What's up, Chris? How are you?
1: Hey, Will. Good to be with you again, mate. Yeah, it gives me great pleasure to introduce a Premier League legend, Richard Shaw. Richard famously played in the Premier League for about 12 years for Crystal Palace in Coventry City. He made 700 first-team appearances, 700. So he must have turned professional when he was about 12 to fit all that in. Um, And he was selected for the English national squad as well. So, Richard, thanks so much for joining us, mate. We really appreciate it. And um, how are you doing? Welcome. I'm
2: good. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Will. Uh, Good to be here. Uh, It's nice to follow Laurie as well. So I'll be on the phone to him once once this is finished. and just let him know he's been outdone, shall we say. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we we have heard a terrible rumor, Richard, that you're a West Ham fan as well. So it seems that Chris and I can't seem to escape uh, the the hammers the, this last couple of weeks.
2: <laughs> yeah, and do you know what we've got we got good times to shout about things at the moment, which is great. I mean, we're um, we're doing okay with David Moyes at the moment. We're doing okay. So uh, long may that continue.
0: All right, so top 11 points in the world of soccer. We'll go through 11 different topics today. It's fast, it's furious. We appreciate everyone giving your, us your time each and every single week. And as always, again, you can find that podcast 991bsportsanimal.com. Richard, point number one, I just wanted to ask you about something. You played in the Premier League at the transition from it being, you know, the, the top division becoming the first division to becoming the Premier League. What was yeah. that transition like? Because that's something that we didn't necessarily get an opportunity to, uh, to witness here in the States.
2: Yeah, it was it was it was a strange one to be honest because we didn't sort of think too much of it. You know, we knew there was going to be money coming into the game. We knew we knew what was happening with they're trying to um, really promote football with Sky TV now because it's every night there's football live games, etc. It's 1992 and even 1990, 1991 when Leeds win the title, United were just emerging as as, as front runners for, for the next decade. And it was funny because we did we didn't take too much notice of it until. I remember the first time I really thought about it. We played Arsenal on a Monday night fixture, and uh, we'd be coming out the tunnel. There's fireworks booming everywhere. There's there's cheerleaders. There's everything going on. It's calmed down since then, but that's when the hype started. Um, started to, to 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 take notice, and everyone started to. It made sense of what they were trying to do with all these live games. But for us as players, for us as players, there wasn't too much of a transition. Um, in terms of the fixtures were the same. in terms of the teams were the same, we' playing against, we're playing against all the people in you know, Liverpool United, the, the Arsenal, the Chelsea, the Tottenhams, the West Ham's. It just just went on another year. The difference was the difference was was it's becoming a real brand, shall we say, And uh, of course, social media coming onto the scene, and all of a sudden it's really, really taken off, really taken off.
0: Could you have seen foreseen that the EPL would become the most profitable sports league in the world, even more so than the national
2: football league? No, no, no. I I I honestly didn't. And I was, as, as, as it was transitioning and it it was, it was taking, it was taking shape, you know, obviously the wages were going high. And because over, over in this country, all they talk about is the the money uh, a lot of times in the premier league and how much finance there is now in the premier league, which there is a lot. Of course there is. It's a, there's it's a big demand for it all over the world now, the Premier League. It's probably the best league, well, um, it is the best league in the world, in world football, and the money the money dictates that. I mean, the teams we have now, I mean, the Manchester Cities are funded by uh, the Middle East, shall we say, and then in the obviously Liverpool, financed by the guys, um, Jay, is it J. Henry, J.J. Henry? Um, they're financed by them, and, and everyone now has got backers. There's so much money involved in the Premier League now it's just it's just become a global brand
0: well okay so i wanted to ask you 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 did play um you know almost 700 uh, starts at the top tier of football then you made the transition to a coach now you're coaching the under 23 team for watford right now yeah. what was that transition like from player to coach
2: um i was ready i was ready for it I, I i literally played um i literally played just short of 40 maybe a couple of months just short of 40 so i was i was ready to have a bit of a rest and I literally, there was no time to us. So I literally went straight into coaching at Millwall, which we, which was League One at the time. Um, I found it quite comfortable. I wish I'd done a lot, a bit more coaching before I really sort of took a first team role. And I wish I'd have gone down and coached in the academy to start off with, with, with 9s, 10s, 11s, 12s, 13s, 14s. So you get a perspective of coaching, what coaching is uh, in terms of pitch sizes, how you develop your sessions. I wish I'd done that. So I was always playing catch up because I had a long career. Um, the better coaches are probably the ones that have probably retired early probably not had such an extensive career but got into coaching early and as chris will tell you and, and many people that do coach it's, it's a difficult it's a difficult skill difficult skill because you're managing young players or you're managing players the sessions have got to be right you've got 20 odd players literally hanging on your every word so that's got to be right and there's so much involved in it in terms of session planning and and what what does the session need what does the player need i mean with, with the young players now it's such a difficult situation at times where i think youngsters now are basically looking at you saying what are you doing for me rather than what are we doing for them you know and and i found that quite difficult at times but in terms of in terms of the last 10 years when i've been coached i've really enjoyed it i've absolutely loved it and i love seeing i love the development side of it which is i like i like working in academy of course the the money's not there the the money's in the first of course it is but it's just something i enjoy it's just something i enjoy and uh if you give me a group of youngsters, I, I do work them hard. I do have I do have discipline. I do have standards that should be met, and you know and, and I think when young players work hard and they come off a session knowing that they've worked hard and knowing that they've learned something, it, it gives me immense pride. Immense pride. All right, well,
0: we're here with longtime Palace and Coventry player Richard Shaw joining us here on the starting eleven. Will West, Chris Carroll. All right, point number two. We'll get to it. Uh, your your predictions for the top four and who wins the Premier League, Richard.
2: Oh, that was that was that was a tough one. I looked at it this morning, actually. And number one for me is Man City, and I, and I thought I thought Manchester City, um, even when we started the season because of the pandemic, they started quite slowly because the season was quite extensive uh, with injuries, and and the players are just going from week to week, no break. I and mean, people might say, don't feel sorry for them because of the amount of money they earn, but you, it's still your body. You're still tired. It, it's 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 not a dirty word to say you're tired, but. Um, but I, th- I think I think Manchester City won the league, and I think they're on a roll. They're on such a roll now that they just keep winning games. I think they've won the last sixteen games in a trot now. Um, I think Manchester United will. I, won't, I don't think anyone will run them close, but I think in terms of getting the top four, well, I think Manchester United will be in the top four. They seem to have got a group of players together now. Again, forty six points. You know, they're three, they're four, five points away from fifth and sixth. So I think I, I think they'll stay in it. I think Chelsea, and Liverpool will fight for fourth. I don't know who will come, who, who will miss out, but I'll put, I'm will put. i going to put Leicester City will finish in the top four. Um, they're just this model of consistency. Brendan Rodgers is a, is a fantastic coach. I've, I've worked against some of his Chelsea youth teams. He's a brilliant, brilliant coach. Done really well at Liverpool. I'm lucky not to win the league there. Leicester City play some fantastic football with some really good players, real team unit. I think they'll finish the top four and I think either Chelsea or Liverpool will miss out this year. One of them too.
0: Chris, uh, we'll give you another shot at this. I know I ask you this every week, and we go through this every week, and it changes every week. Uh, that way, at some point in time, we're going to end up nailing it right. We can go back and brag about it. What a great job we did predicting the future. Uh, <laughs> your top four prediction right now.
1: Well, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going a little different, actually. I've, I've gone Man City yeah, to win. I just can't see them being stopped right now. Yeah. Um, i got Chelsea on a roll. They're coming through, and they're coming strong. They might not be spectacular, but it they looks like they're solid. So I've got Chelsea up there a second. I've got Leicester third, Mr. Reliable. I don't think they're going to drop off like they did last year. Uh, and they're, they're playing some great stuff. Now, here's here's where, I, here's where I get a bit creative. So I've got Liverpool dropping out. I think the wheels are coming off Liverpool. And, and I've got Everton as fourth. I've got them as a as a dark horse <laughs> coming, coming in on the rails. I've got Everton coming coming in as fourth. Yeah, put my neck on no, the line. No Man
2: United, Chris. No Man United.
1: I no, I, I think United aren't, aren't um, I don't think they're, I, I just don't think they're consistent enough. No, I can't see, I can't see them. I think no wolves? Gonna, I think they're going to falter. What's that? And no Wolves? Wolves? Wolves <laughs> will be looking <laughs> to stay up, I think. I, I'll be They'll happy if they're just up. still there next season. <laughs>
2: They'll stay up, you be fine.
1: Yeah, they're in the relegation discussion when we have that <laughs> next week. Uh, yeah. Richard,
0: just, just so you know, Richard, uh, Chris has actually predicted the Wolves to win every week until finally this week. I guess he finally conceded that Man City may get the best of Wolves by the time it's all said. And done. <laughs> all right. Point number three, gentlemen, um, there is a story that, that, that involved you, Richard, from uh, back in the day where it was after Eric Dyer jumped into the stands and tried to defend his brother in a little bit of a scrap that was happening in the stands. And when that happened within half an hour, Chris sent me multiple articles detailing this story. Chris, if you will, can you just intro the story and Richard? I would like to love to get your perspective on this story.
1: Yeah, well, R- Richard, uh guest today, Richard Shaw, he he has a he holds a place in English soccer history that will, uh, they're famous, let's put it that way. And uh, a player called, a famous player called Eric Cantona, he got sent off one day. I won't tell the whole story. I'll leave it to Richard. He got sent off because he got antagonised. He got nothing out of the guy that was marking him. He got so wound up, he kicked out of the guy that was marking him. He got sent off. On the way to the changing rooms, one of the crowd gave him a bit of stick. And so Eric Cantona, Kung Fu, kicked this player in the crowd. And the guy who was at the start of it all and caused all the problems, because he was marking Eric Cantona, was our very own guest here today, Richard Shaw. So Richard, I'll um, I'll let you explain explain yourself and what you did to poor Eric Cantona.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've made me out to be a real victim there, Chris. i come over there and see you. Um, to be fair, Chris, you actually described it quite well, to be honest, and it, it was just that. Um, it was innocuous. I mean, Eric was just getting frustrated. We played Manchester United. It was January 25th, 1995. I remember the day, because every year, journalists phoned me up and asked me about a story about it. Um, and Manchester United had just signed Andy Cole for seven and a half million. They had obviously Cantona playing, Giggs, Konchelskis Keane, Ince, uh, Pallister, Bruce, Parker, Irwin, Schmeichel. The team was, was, was a sensational team. And they just got a bit frustrated because we, we was drawing a game nil-nil. We ended up drawing a game one-one. And it's probably a game that they had to win. To, to, and they did retain the league that year. But Eric just got frustrated like Eric was. He's done it a couple of times in the season. Um, and he just he just literally kicked out because I was marking him. And people say I was kicking him all over the pitch. And people say um, I was man-marking him. It wasn't like that at all. Because the one thing I did say is, how do you who do you man-mark at Man United? You've got Giggs, you've got Keane, you've got Ince, Kamchelskis, you've got Beckham, you've got, <laughs> you got... Can't, you can't man-mark anyone. They're, they're that good. Um, so it was just a simple... simple it got frustrated, innocuous trip, trip, little kick out, that's all it was. Nothing really, in my my opinion. And I think more moreover, it was it was it was what the person must have said when he came down from the crowd. And obviously, um racism and, and abuse at the moment is quite prevalent in the UK. Um with with obviously what's gone on in, in in the world, you know, the last few months, and we're having a spate of people on social media abusing footballers now at the moment and back then Eric just wasn't going to accept it simple as that and he decided to come through that you you well described Chris he decided to come through kick the fan in the chest and it was an iconic scene absolutely iconic scene um and Eric got sent off obviously and it just went around the world uh certainly the world of football um because it was unprecedented no one had really seen it before and I'm sitting there thinking, what's the big deal made of this? But every year you look back at it, you, kind of think, yeah, I kind of see, I kind of understand why a big deal was made out of it. But it was, um, yeah, it's a very iconic moment in the Premier League. I don't think the Premier League will ever, um, you go through the Premier League years, and that will always come up. Um, in terms of that, I mean, I've in the past, I've read books about it, and. A lot, a lot, a lot of the information was a load of rubbish. Lot, lot of it was wrong, and, and I even brought lawyers in, threatening to sue for defamation of character the way they portrayed me in the thing. It? That, that's, that's God's honest, and I saw that, and then I realised no. what it would have taken to go into court. And I just thought I'd just leave it and and just be just be the victim, as you say. And it's it's funny because many years, many years I've been going to Old Trafford and playing. You know, you go to pick the ball up from a throw in, all you get is dogs abuse. But I'm used to that now. That's a that's football. That's 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 the. That's the world we live in. Um, so I've got no issue with that. But one thing I've always said, Chris, one thing I've always said, Will, is when people try to trip me up on that uh, when the incident first happened, they wanted me to really bad Eric and this and that. I've never, ever done it and never, ever will. Eric Cantona was, for me, one of the best players ever to have played in the Premier League. And he was a catalyst for Manchester United being so successful um, in the 15, 20 years that Alex Ferguson won so many trophies and that football club because what he did to that football club he took it from a great great football club to an even better football club and the class of 92 the Nevilles, the beckhams and the skulls the, the Gigs, the butts they've got a lot to thank out for because he he's set a real culture there i mean what a fantastic
1: mm.
2: fantastic footballer i'll probably put him in one of the best 11 of the premier leagues ever seen um he was that good and just had that aura yeah. about him so i've got no malice or anything i played against him in a testimonial game Many years later, when I was playing at Coventry, and you know, he's, he's just just a fantastic guy. And you know what? As well, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be boring place if everyone was just boring? And you know what Eric did was unprecedented. But do you know what? I, I I actually quite like a little bit of devilment in people. I think I think it breeds arrogance, and I quite like that, especially in the, in the industry that I'm involved in.
0: That's yeah. Richard, the great Richard Shaw, do you want to us here. The starting eleven, longtime Palace and Coventry player, Will West, Chris Carroll. We'll be back on the other side. Richard has made the horrible mistake of agreeing to stay with us the entire hour, so we'll have Richard's uh, takes on the rest of our topics today as well. This is the starting 11, 99.1, the Sports Animal.
3: Looking for children's soccer coaching outside of the club scene? Carroll Sports Academies has been coaching soccer for over 18 years. Their professional coaches keep it fun and build confidence while providing structured classes. Years of experience has helped shape their fun soccer curriculum, which prepares players for competition. Never played before? No problem. Beginners and experienced players are welcome. They truly believe children of any age should receive quality soccer coaching. Check out their website carolsportsacademies.com
0: the starting 11 99.1 the sports animal will less chris Carroll, top 11 topics in the world of soccer every friday night 991d you can always catch the podcast saturday mornings 991d we are excited to be joined today by the great richard shaw longtime palace and Coventry player almost 700 starts in the top flight of english soccer we appreciate him making the mistake of joining us during the entire hour here today we're at point number four right now gentlemen um why and we'll start with you if you don't care richard why hasn't it worked with Gareth Bale at his return to the Premier League?
2: That is the question on everyone's lips in the UK. And it's even been back-page news today. It's been, it's been running around the situation of Sky Sports. I'm, I'm disappointed it hasn't worked out. When he, was, when he was coming back from Madrid, I thought Tottenham was the perfect club for him because he'd been there before. I look at Gareth Bale. He's won four European Cups. He's got pace. He's got power. He's got physique. He's got everything needed for the Premier League absolutely everything you need for the Premier League. Why he's not been successful, only he knows, only Jose Mourinho knows. Um, why Real Madrid left him out, I don't. I still don't understand why they left him out. So it has to be something, there has to be something there. Maybe, just maybe, it might be that a comfort zone, he's done everything he possibly can. Is the motivation there now? I don't know. I really don't know, you, that's something you'll only have to ask Gareth about. It certainly seems motivating when he's playing for Wales. Um seems very, very passionate. Um he turns up to every single meet. Maybe he's homesick, maybe he liked joining up with Welsh guys, uh, the the Welsh family. But in terms of in terms of the way uh been at Tottenham, I'm not sure Tottenham play the way that Gareth maybe wants to play. I think the way Jose plays is very much defensive minded in terms of going forward. They've got the one forward with Kane, they've got Son that runs off him, Lucas Moura runs off a couple of times. Um I just think the way the way that Jose and the way, or certainly the way that Tottenham play at present, doesn't suit Gale, Gareth Bale. I think when you play for Real Madrid, you had a front three of Benzema, you had Ronaldo, you had Bale, and they were a real front three, and they were allowed to go forward and express themselves. I don't think you could do that in this Tottenham side, and that's why I think he doesn't play.
0: What do you think, Chris?
2: Yeah, I agree, with Rich. What a big disappointment for me for
1: the season. I was so excited to to, yeah. to be able to see him play again and i was really looking forward to him injecting some energy and pace into the spurs team and it's really it's a it's a real strange one i don't know he doesn't have a reputation he's not come out of a okay. reputation of a prima donna okay. um but if i guess if he doesn't like what the coach is asking him to do he must be just stubborn because for it happened for it to happen with zidane at madrid and now at spurs it's kind of like he's just puts his feet up and yeah. you know and just thinks well that's not for me I'm, I'm it's a strange one because even if he's not match fit he doesn't look like he's trying to get match fit you can always tell if a player is really putting it putting it in and trying to work through work through a bad patch of form he can he can work through a bad patch of form by putting that extra work in and you know and eventually coming out the other end but it's kind of like he's strolling around he's not really he doesn't look like he's really busting a gut out there he turned a bit of a corner in the last game a few days ago, where there's a few flashes, but but it's a, I mean again like Rich says it's uh, it's a strange one. He does it for Wales and he just doesn't look like he wants to do it for for, for Madrid or for Spurs, and it's a, it's it's really sad to see because I was looking forward to seeing him play.
0: Point number five: Jurgen Klopp is now the odds-on favorite to be fired this season. To be the next manager to be fired this season, according to bookmakers, is Klopp on his way out in Liverpool? In your opinion, Richard?
2: No, 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 no. Knows my my thought process to that. I think the media, the media. The media I don't know what the media's like in the states, but the media over here is twenty-four-seven. Um, there's always a story. Um, Liverpool being on a bit of a bad run. There's no. There's no mistaking that. They've had injury problems. Um, I think what Jurgen what Jurgen has done is alienated himself a wee bit with the media. I've been a bit spiky with interviews. Um, literally one word answers. You know excuses like "there's the, the grass is too long, the grass is too wet, the snow's too deep." Uh, we have <laughs> injuries. Van Dyke's injured. But Manchester City are top of the league, 15 games unbeaten with, with without De Bruyne, without Aguero. Uh, without Jesus at times, Jesus at times, sorry, without Myra's at times. Everyone's Everyone has their injuries. Man United's got Popper injured at the moment. Uh, my club, West Ham, and it may not have be been in the level Man City, but we've we missed Antonio, um, who's a big plus for us. We've missed him for for a couple of months. So everyone has injuries, and I, and I think with Jürgen, because of a bit of pressure, they were the, the winners last year. I don't think they've defended that, that greatly. I think they do have a squad that can cope. At the moment, Jurgen's just blaming the pandemic. He's blaming fatigue. He's blaming everything apart from they're just not performing. Uh, will, will he be the first one to go? No, I, I don't see that. I, I think they they are one result away from turning it around. They got a good result against Leipzig in a week. It'd be interesting to see how they go Saturday against Everton. But I don't I, I don't think. I think he's got too too good of a relationship there at the moment. Um, it's a fantastic football club, very much like a Dortmund working man's club. Um, huge club around the world, you know, and I'd be surprised if he left Liverpool. Very surprised.
0: What do you think, Chris?
2: Yeah, it's a strange one um, to me. Although I could see why some
1: people were questioning him because I think when a couple of weeks ago, when it was a possibility that the unthinkable might happen and Liverpool weren't going to weren't going to defend their title, he was slowly losing his composure, and he was losing it in in interviews, and he was chasing Sean Dash down the tunnel, you know, to argue with him. And 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 then he was flapping his arms on the sideline. He was he was just completely. It looked like he was completely losing it, and and he seemed like the pressure was getting to him. I think now he seems to be resigned to his fate. He knows that they're not going to win the league again. I think he's probably had a good look at himself in the mirror, giving himself a talking to, and, and he and he seems a lot calmer uh, and, and over the last few days. So unless he wants out somewhere, I can't see him being fired because i think he's done too much for this liverpool club i think they i think they do love him i think it just looked like the pressure was getting to him um but i I can't see i can't see but they're not going to fire him no
0: yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think looked, Klopp's great at man management, especially if you have big egos in a dressing room. I think he seems to be as good as anybody right now in, in football and doing that. Um, that pressing style, though, probably is a lot more effective when you've got erasers like Van Dyke, Becker, Fabinho, those guys in the back that can, uh, you know, that when you do get beat because the press doesn't work that you like to play, you've got those guys who can erase those types of situations. And having the injuries there with those guys, I think has been, has affected them greatly. Um, I also wonder about maybe the desire a little bit of the team because we even saw it once they clinched the Premier League title last year that they they let their foot off the gas a little bit and so I think it's a team that I don't want to say resting on their laurels but maybe the same desire isn't there the same fire is not in their gut right now and so I, I think that's probably been tough I do think that I understand why people were trying to put two and two together on that one because we have seen it to, to your point Chris some of the things some symptoms of what we would call burnout we've seen a little bit with Klopp at times but um, I just think that once he gets those players back and as guys, Fabinho's coming back down in the training, once more of these players start coming back and and they're talking about buying on players again this summer, once they do that, he has a ton of talent and he can go do what he does, which is manage great talent and manage great egos and get everyone to pull in the same direction when you have all of those egos in one dressing room. I do think that that's going to be something that, that we'll see the old Jurgen Klopp kind of come back out. I think he's just frustrated and I think he's a very emotional, very vocal guy and so i think that's led a little bit to why klopp he's he's always been a guy that showed his emotions so when there's frustration we're going to see those emotions get shown the same way that we see the emotions get shown during celebration and things like that it's just not going to be received as well publicly when you see those frustrations shown the great Richard Shaw joining his longtime Palace and Coventry player when they were in the Premier League. We're at point number six right now on the starting eleven. Richard, with their win over Sheffield United, West Ham moved into the top four for a second there.
2: What's behind the Hammers turnaround this year? I mean, they just had a brilliant season. Absolutely brilliant. And as a West Ham fan, I've got you can't wipe a smile off my face enough. He's been it's been absolutely fantastic. You know, when i stopped playing football, I was allowed to be a fan. I've been to see West Ham a good few times. I think the equipment's been key. To be fair, Will, I think the recruitment, they've got Suchet, um, Antonio's, Antonio stayed, stayed fit, uh, Lingard's now come on loan, Josh Bowen was a good buy, Dawson got on loan from Watford, Declan Rice has really grown up, really grown up, he's more or less replaced Mark Noble there now. Um, I think it's a structure to everything they do now as a team, I mean, they've scored the most set pieces, they did, they've uh, conceded the least set pieces. So both ends of that have been absolutely fantastic. And I think there's a bit of pace, a bit of presence around the midfield area. And also confidence, because they've started this season well. Um, They're winning games. Winning does breed confidence. Um, Dare I say it, uh, the new stadium with 60,000 not being in there, sometimes criticising might help, um, if I'm going to be honest, because I think some players have flourished in the pandemic because the crowd not booing. There's less atmosphere. They're a little bit of freedom, but um, it, it's it's nice to see. It's nice to see them doing well. And it's like David Moyes has got them really organised, like he like did with the Everton team.
0: Richard Shaw joining us as well for the program today. I'm Will West. This is the starting eleven. I like to Starting 1199.1, the Sports Animal, Will West, Chris Carroll, top 11 topics in the world of soccer every Friday night, 991 dsportsanimalcom If you miss the entire show, catch the podcast, 991 dsportsanimalcom We're joined by the great Richard Shaw, longtime Palace and Coventry player when they were in the Premier League, and we're excited for him to join us here in this hour. We're at point number seven right now. Gentlemen, Richard, we'll start with you here. Timo Werner breaks his 100-day scoreless drought. Will this spark a turnaround in the last half of the season for Werner?
2: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realise a hundred days. I didn't realise he'd been in that long. I have to say, because um, he's not played too much under Frank. He's been in and out, um, but obviously uh, under Tuchel, it's obviously German who knows it, knows him quite well. And I think that will probably ultimately help uh, Tino Verde with the confidence and settling in period in the Premier League. Um, I think people don't. I think people underestimate the amount of time it takes people to come over to this country and settle in the Premier League. And they do get caught out with the pace, the power. The intensity of how the league is, because um, when you're actually playing in there, you watch it, it just gives you it gives to actually look at it and think, oh, I can, can't do that, I can, can't do that. People don't realise how quick it is when you're actually on that pitch, how quick it is to see passes, uh, the, the pace and the power that, that the game is played now. And the Bundesliga is probably as close as anything, but it's still not as intense and uh, physical and as quick as a Premier League. Premier League's out there by itself in my opinion for that and the way teams play football. And I think with, with Tino Verne, I think he's just struggled to adapt to that. Um, his game suggests he will adapt to that. The last couple of appearances, he's got a match against Sheffield United and Newcastle, which I think has given him confidence. He's scored goals in, in, in both games and, and assisted goals. And I think with, with with the manager coming in now, I think it's a real fillip for him that he's got the confidence and and, and also the acceptance of his teammates as well. You know, he scored the goals. The teammates have all rushed over there. They've all appreciated how important it is for him to get off the mark. And I I think he might go on and run now. Um, I mean, Sheffield United and Newcastle, you might say the opposition, yeah, you should be scoring goals against them. It'll be interesting to see how he he fares against the top six, top seven teams um, with their defences. But, you know, his reputation, he's had a a good career, um, Leipzig and and, and, and in Germany, you know, and i think when you buy someone for a lot of money that they're under pressure from day one and it's just how you cope with that it's taken a while to cope but i think hopefully the last week or two has given the confidence to kick on
1: yeah i i i agree i think it's a confidence thing and i think man management from tuchel i think that's played a huge part in it frank lampard seemed to be a little bit harsher with his players and, and that's how he always approached the the cameras anyway during his interviews and his post-match interviews and i think if he came across that way to his players i think that added pressure to the likes of Werner, who was going through a bad, bad patch and, and like richard says trying to settle in, in, in into another country i think Tuchel seems to be more of a put it knowing when to put an arm around the shoulder of a player i'm sure he you know he knows when to give him a rocket as well but he obviously he obviously realised Berner needs a needs an arm around him, and um, the confidence thing comes. And all players, they get better when they're more confident. And um, it seems like he, he is now. And and obviously the more he plays, the more he scores, the better the more confidence is going confident he's going to be. And um, he could really let loose now. Yeah, to answer the question, it could be a big turnaround in his season. And uh, you know, I would put that down uh, in a lot of a lot of ways. I'd put that down to, to, people, to You sure will. <laughs> yeah,
0: sorry my dog just went nuts. I apologize guys, so I had to mute that. Hopefully it didn't come across. I think she's fine now. Um okay, Richard, I, I do want to ask you this. In the states we have a saying called getting the yips. And it's where it comes from is the catcher struggles to get the ball back to the to the pitcher in baseball just because it's in their head that they can't seem to throw the ball back for some reason. But it, is there something like that in English football where or in football where you, it's just in your head that you can't seem to break through you can't seem to score goals
2: that you've scored since you were a kid I think it, you you can end up like that I mean you can go you can go through runs where you just you just not score and I think I think the problem you have is if you're not in them areas to score goals is is when you do just lack, lack, lack of confidence I've never really heard I have heard the term will get in the yips we get it in dark snooker over here them sports in football i 've never really seen it. I think with football it 's just a total lack of confidence where you 're not in the areas where you should be you've totally lost lost confidence in your own ability i think if you 're in the areas and you 're missing chances you at least you 're in there uh, to miss them and i think that's that 's been the plus side with Verna that he's always been in and around a six yard box he 's always been in a box to to miss them chances, but now they 're going to go in. And like I said, I've said before, the media play a huge part in it over over in the UK because when you when you come for big money and you're not performing, they they are on you. You know, whether you're a manager, whether you're a football player, they are on you. And then obviously it's not nice when you open up the back pages and read things about you, you're not very good, this and that. And of course it of course of course it makes you lose a bit of confidence. Uh, and and quite right it does. But you know, you've got to have a real strong mentality to play this game it's a, it's a hard game it's a ruthless game um but you do need the support of your manager and your teammates and i think chris made a really good point there uh with Tuco and i think he's been a huge influence on, on tino verna the last the last month
0: all right point number eight gentlemen and we'll start with you on this one richard since you played there for so long it's a time for palace to move on from roy hodgson
2: um i know what a lot of people will say looking at the social media platforms and and reading reading news etc. But I worked under Roy. Um, I, I worked under him for for a year or two. I was doing a at the twenty threes at Palace. Um, what Roy is is a is a very safe pair of hands. Um, he's obviously 72, 73, He understands how the game works. He'll play a four five one. He will not be expansive. He'll play a very defensive shape. Uh, if you look at Palace's results, they'll win one nil in the second half because and and they they would have had. 30% possession Not that, that means much they've had less shots but they win 1-0 and that's, and that's how Roy's played and he did it at Fulham he's done it at many clubs Fulham got through to the UEFA Cup final doing it that way and the, the boys were okay Roy would do shape, shape every day having said all that I think if Roy Hodgson stays at Palace I think he guarantees them uh, with the squad they've got safety and I still think they'll be safe this year because I think the three are a bit, bit of cut adrift um they're lucky they won the last two games or the two games previously, Newcastle, I think it was Wolves, um, and got the six points, that's made a huge difference. Roy's not as flamboyant as as a pep, but it's a safe pair of hands. And if Palace keep Roy, they will not get relegated, in my opinion. But you won't see the football that I know a lot of fans want to see. That is the other issue. That's that's the flip of the coin. Um will they make a change? Everything everything points to that they probably will. I think they've had poor recruitment if I'm going to be honest. Um probably not not Roy's players that Roy would pick. You know, they've had Max Myers coming from Shelker and he, and he's now he's now disappeared. Camaras has come in from abroad. Um the squad's unbalanced. They've got four goalkeepers there but they don't need four, so the wage bill is obviously quite high. Christian Benteke resigned. He scored three goals in 51. Again, not enough. So I think Roy's had a lot to deal with. I think he's had more to deal with than people probably know. Um, so it's not been easy for him. Like I said, if you look at say Villa's recruitment and West Ham's recruitment, it's been fantastic, Ollie Watkins, you know, and what West Ham recruit. And it just makes such a difference. Palace have an aging squad. They have 14 players out of contract in the summer. It's a big summer for them, you know, and will Roy be, we'll, we'll be part of that? Who knows? Who knows? I, I, I like Roy. I've got with Roy. I think Roy guarantees some safety, but it depends what Palace want.
0: What do you think chris
2: yeah
1: i think it's a it's a tricky one and i think you've got to be careful what you wish for as fans too Absolutely. i mean yeah. it, palace is that kind of club like uh well only recently wolves in the, in the premier league and there's another the, the, there's another club called charlton who a few years ago were sort of ever presence in the premier league that richard will remember and they uh, and they had, a, they had a manager called alan kerbishley and he'd, he'd he'd keep them in there year after year, and they'd finish mid-table, mid-table. But he wasn't fashionable, you know, like like Roy Hodgson isn't fashionable. He's not flamboyant, and so there was a big, big clamouring for a change, get rid of Curvishley and bring someone else in, which which they did. I can't remember who they brought in now. But what happened to Charlton? They got relegated, and then they got relegated again, and and the wheels completely came off. And because you know, all because. Because they wanted to go from 10th they wanted and it was an, an expect an, an unrealistic expectation they wanted chance to go from 10th to the top six or the top four and you know because they'd been 10th for five or six years and it's just not going to happen at some clubs where that don't have the big money to spend like your top six clubs do and so i think you know they could get rid of roy hodgson and and you know a similar thing could happen but um yeah, because he's not flamboyant, but I think like like Richard says, and he's got a lot more inside knowledge than me, but he is a safe pair of hands for, for Crystal Palace.
0: That's Richard Shaw, Chris Carroll here as well. We're at point number nine right now, gentlemen, our target man. One player you're targeting to have a big match week this week. Chris, we'll start with you on this one.
1: Well, I'm looking at Ollie Watkins for Villa. There's some good games this weekend, actually. And Villa are home to Leicester. So uh, Watkins has got ten goals this season in the Premier League. He's had a good first, it's his first season of the Premier League too, in twenty two appearances. And I think if you call it a bit of a shootout between him and Vardy, see if he can sort of live with the big boys in the Premier League. So, so yeah, um, Ollie Watkins for me. And I'd like to see Villa. I'd like to see Villa uh, do well this season and hang in there. They've got a couple of games in hand. I'd like to see them still. You know, there's a few teams still in it, aren't isn't there? And Villa are one of them. And uh, Leicester are still up there too. So it'd be a good – I want. Uh, yeah, Watkins for me is my
2: target, man.
0: What do you think, Richard.
2: <laughs> you won't see the screen, Will. Have a look at that, Chris. Watkins, Villa-Leicester game. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. I was lucky enough to see Villa play uh, live on TV. I did the, I did the TV for Sky uh, one day. Watkins was a fantastic player. He's played there by himself. And I agree with Chris. What a great pick. And the Villa-Leicester game really appeals to me because the way Leicester play, Villa on a really good run. Um, but I did put two down. And I know you're a big Spurs fan, Will, but I think the West Ham-Spurs game... Um, they don't like each other. They're big rivals, and I'm going to go for as Chris has gone for Watkins, I'll go for Antonio. I think if he stays fit, if he plays up front, um, I really believe he could be a nuisance for for the, for the Tottenham back back four uh, with pace, power, strength. West Ham are on a roll at the moment, and it might just might just be the victory they need to take them take them uh, well away from Spurs at present. So I'm going to go Antonio with Watkins very very close as Chris has stolen my thunder.
0: Richard Shaw the great Richard Shaw joining us here on the starting 11 Chris Carroll's here as well I am Will West we'll come back with the final segment of the starting 11 99.1 the sports animal
3: looking for children's soccer coaching outside of the club scene Carroll Sports Academies has been coaching soccer for over 18 years their professional coaches keep it fun and build confidence while providing structured classes years of experience has helped shape their fun soccer curriculum which prepares players for competition never played before no problem beginners and experienced Players are welcome. They truly believe children of any age should receive quality soccer coaching. Check out their website, Carol Sports
0: Starting eleven ninety nine point one the Sports Animal. Final segment of the Starting 11. You can always catch the podcast 991bsportsanimal.com. Chris Carroll, Will West, excited to be joined by the great Richard Shaw today, longtime Palace and Coventry player, giving us the full hour here today. Richard, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate that. Uh, my pleasure. I enjoyed it. All right, point number 10, gentlemen, Wayne Rooney said this week, the EPL would be better off without VAR. Do you agree? We'll start with you, Richard.
2: Yes. Yes, is my is my um. I think the Premier League would be better off without VAR as well. If I'm going to be honest, because nobody knows the rules, nobody now. There's so much confusion around the, wall, the rules now. Who's offside? Who's not offside? Who's not interfering the play? Who's interfering? Is he offside because his arm says he's offside? His little toes offside? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do agree. You need you need technology for the for the for the big decisions, the clear decisions. But at the moment, we are just using it for totally the wrong reason. When I mean, I'm seeing, I'm seeing. I'm seeing play build up in the box. I'm, I'm now seeing players flick the ball up at people's hands on purpose in the box to get a penalty. And the minute touches someone's hand, referee will go to VAR, take a penalty. What's the point of having a ref now? Cricket, cricket, it's different for cricket because you've got that, you've got that time between overs. You've got that time between when the next, the next bold that delivery is bowled or the next ball is bowled. You've got the time to go to a VAR and and, and, a stunt, and the umpire, the third umpire. Then football is such a quick flowing game. Now, now, to be fair, well, you're seeing goals go in. No one celebrates anymore because they're so scared. Ten minutes ago, someone interfered with with, with the line and this and that. And in my opinion, I'm not a fan. People can say it's make the game better kids get decisions right. But again, you know, when fans go to games, and they go in the pub after. What do they talk about? I mean, they, we used to talk about contentious decisions and no, that was offside. Yes, it was. And fans talking, you can say it evens itself out. Um when when the game finishes throughout the season, but I, I'm just not a fan. I watch it now and I just I just cringe. I mean, some of the offside decision, and also guys, when it does go to VAR, the they still get it wrong. The guy mm. in Stockley Park is still looking at it and still getting it wrong. You think how have you come to that? So there's so much confusion over here about it. So much confusion about what the rules are now. They're about as clear as mud. Um, I think it stops the game too much. The game's free flowing for me. Um, I, I, I think the referee now is is got to a stage where the game is a different game to what I used to know at times, you know, with the simulation, what I call it diving, but simulation to earn penalties. And I just think that VAI, in my opinion, is, is used for the wrong things. You know, has the ball crossed the line? Yes, absolutely. I, I, that's technology. I, that, use it for that. Yeah. Um, but in terms of other things, in terms of what is, what is wrong, it's been used for absolutely every single issue now. The game's too slow. It's too slow. You're stopping it. And like I said, referees hide behind their decisions now. They hide behind them. And, uh, and I still think they're still getting it wrong when it goes to the AR.
0: What do you think, Chris?
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree with Rich.
1: I was all for trying it, to be honest with you, because I thought it would solve arguments. But yeah. what it's done, it's just made a complete mockery of the offside and the handball laws. Everybody's confused. Everybody in every, all the fans are confused. If, if, if people like Rich are confused who played the game at the top level, every coach, to a man every premier league coach that you listen to is confused as well then it can't be good for the game and it's not just it's not just causing like like rich said the, everybody after a game and a, a talk about contentious decisions and you know there'll be back and forth but now it's just making everybody angry um it just doesn't work and i think if you try something that's fine if you try something that doesn't work just can it forget about it but they're trying to because they've got the technology they're trying to shoehorn it in now and, and and change the laws so they can just use these lines and use everything and it, it does it, it's made a mockery of the game everyone's confused i say bin it completely
0: point number 11 gentlemen we'll start with you on this one chris match of the week and upset pick of the week
1: my match of the week is well i'm going, I'm going route one here liverpool everton i'm going <laughs> to decide derby which i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure is a popular selection here so um yeah, I'll get, but there's there's a there's a few decent games. So I've gone Liverpool, Everton. This tells me, you know, how serious are Everton about challenging for the top four? Um, Ancelotti is a top top four manager. We'll see, you know, we'll see if over the next few weeks if he can pull Everton up to that up to that one of those top four places. My upset of the week, I got Villa to win over Leicester, um, and again Villa I have to show if they can be long up there. Uh, I know they they're going to go. For for it. It's going to be a great open game, that one, because Villa are going to go for it, Leicester are going to go for it, and, um you know, and like, like we said earlier on, Ollie Watkins is going to, going to score one or two as well. So, uh, uh,
2: game of the week, Liverpool-Everton upset, Villa to beat Leicester.
0: What do you yeah. have, Richard?
2: Uh, well, I, th- I think the standout game, obviously the merseyside derby, Liverpool-Everton, totally agree with Chris. I think Everton might might think that that could be an upset in itself. Um I understand what Chris said about Villa-Leicester. That is a real... You know that that could be a decent game, but if I'm if I'm going to go for one, Liverpool and Everton's obviously to stand out. It's obviously to stand out game, but I'm looking to look at Wolves versus Leeds because I think they're two attacking teams, two two open teams. Bielsa's team will either win four nil or lose four um, nil. If I if I had a season ticket in the Premier League now, I would I would go to Leeds Leeds games because there's a work rate, there's a way they play. People may not like it, but they score goals. They can see goals. I can see the Wolves Leeds game. I can see there being goals in that game, so that is a for me that could be match of the week. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go think out the box. Go Wolves leeds for the upset of the week. I'm gonna go I've just watch Burnley play tonight against um, Fulham. They just drew one all. So I'm gonna go to West Brom. Got a point against Manchester United last week. I'm gonna go for West Brom. No insane Maladdey. and how he works. West Brom to win at Burnley.
0: Okay, I, get it. I, I actually had the same upset of the week, Richard. So, uh, great minds thinking alike there. Uh, so, But, but plus but 300 right now, West Brom is. They're not just an underdog. They're a massive underdog against yeah. Burnley. So, I, I agree with you. I think West Brom, as far as it, from a betting option, that's your best bet right now in the EPL coming up this match week. For the match of the week, I, I would Tottenham-West Ham. And the reason why is because I think that that could change the trajectories of those teams. If West Ham beats Tottenham there, man, could that skyrocket them into where they really sincerely could compete for a top four spot this year. And if Tottenham loses that match, does the bottom fall out of it, and we maybe see Tottenham go on a little bit of a of a spiral or a death cycle uh, as we finish the, the back half of the season? If it goes the other way, Tottenham still has a match in hand against most of the teams in the top four. They could end up in the uh, in that conversation, and maybe does West Ham finish things off mid-table? and Maybe they stop overachieving a little bit. So that's why I went with West Ham against Tottenham, also because I'm incredibly selfish
2: and my team's involved there.
0: Richard Shaw, fantastic job. Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate you joining us here on The Starting 11.
2: No, I've really enjoyed it, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'd love to come back on again soon. I've I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you, guys.